Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coach and Cole Show. It is Friday, January 13th, 2017, our second show of 2017. And we are coming to your eardrums live on Blog Talk Radio. I'm here with Cole. Hey, oh. Remember, you can catch us on demand on iTunes and on TuneIn. Please subscribe to us on whichever format your little eardrums like to receive sound waves on the Coach and Cole Show. So, how's it going down there in the windy city of Chicago today, Cole? Uh, not bad. Kind of cold. Uh, but we're above the teens. It feels like 17, but it's actually 20-something. Really? Well, you know, I would, uh, I would love to have that right now because this morning when I went and started my car, it was 17 below. Was yep, that with or without below. the windshield? That's without the windshield. That's bare temperature, 17 below. With the windshield, yeah. I would I would guess it was about it was about 30 below. I would guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 It was it was rough, but you know what? I uh, I'm looking forward to a little something because uh, oh, yeah. tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, I'm flying out of here and going down to Sin City. We're gonna uh, <laughs> we're going down to Las Vegas, people, and uh, it's uh, it's gonna be a crazy time. It's uh, Contrarian Cole's bachelor party, so uh, yeah. you can imagine, there, listeners, it's gonna get uh, should be interesting. It's gonna get crazy. So, uh, a lot of a lot of lube, I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, with him, you never know what what he's going to come up with. But uh, I'm not packing any lube with me. Uh, you know, uh, I, but it, yeah, I mean, contrarian Cole, he's 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 a little crazy. You never know what he's gonna he's gonna come up with. So who knows? So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, you know, I was checking the forecast down there, and you'd think, you know, when you think of Las Vegas, you think of the desert, you think it's gonna be warm out all the time, and people on the West coast and Southwest coast are probably laughing at us right now, but that's okay. Cause you know, you always think it's hot down there and I'm checking the forecast and the hotel. Was I bet you it's cold as shit pools. at night. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, the pool's closed. So there's going to be no swimming. There will probably be no shorts because, uh, we're looking at anywhere between like 30 and 45 degrees when we're down there. Hmm. So, uh, that, that, that's still, you know, like a 50 degree bump from 17 below. So, I mean, it's going to feel like a heat wave dust. We'll probably still be wearing shorts actually. And people are going to be looking at us like we're crazy, but that's uh classic Northerners. Let's get into the show here. Huh? Uh, okay. Great to have every, great to have everyone here with us. Uh, let's get into the game by game. Actually, no, we're not, we're not going to, yeah. We're, let's talk about last week's game by game predictions. And we had a pretty good week last week. We were correct in all four games. We both made the, the same team picks last week. But what was really interesting to me is how close we projected the score. Uh, and that, that Oakland-Houston game, uh, we were both really close. Uh, I said it was going to be 24-17. You said 23-16. The final score was 27-14, Houston. Uh, that Detroit-Seattle game, we were – you know, I guess a little off on that one. I, I thought that game was going to be more of a shootout. I thought Detroit would 
would uh, show, get, have a better showing than what they had. But I said it was going to be 31-21. You said 26-20, and you got Seattle score right on the nuts because it was 26-6. And uh, that's why <laughs> – right on the nuts. That's why That's why Detroit is, is who they are. Uh, and and you kind of called that, you know, going into the uh, going into the show last week. You kind of said that you had a feeling that Detroit was going to lay an egg, and they sure did. Yeah, uh, Caldwell ended the se- ended the season uh, one and seven against above five hundred teams. So look forward to that, yeah. Detroit. Yeah, that's not going to get it done. And then uh, Miami Pittsburgh, uh, really close. I said twenty nine thirteen. Uh, the score, the final score was thirty to twelve. So a point yeah. away both sides. And then uh, you said thirty-four to sixteen, so that was pretty darn close too. And then that New York Green Bay game, you know, we were in the ballpark there too. I thought it was going to be a little closer. I kind of, pre- I kind of had a prediction that that uh, Green Bay would come from behind in the fourth and win it. Uh, that didn't quite happen, but they uh, they were down into the second quarter. So it was, uh, thirty-one twenty-eight was my project- prediction projection prediction projection prediction could be Project. uh projection is a, a combination of prediction and a projection actually i like it that's that's another coach and cold vocabulary word production yeah and uh you said 36 27 final score is 38 13 so you know that's that's why we get paid the big bucks here at the coach and cold show because uh oh yeah we know what the heck we're talking about hell yeah we do so you know, so that that was a pretty good week for us, and uh, we're going to predict uh, we're going to predictions for each game this week as well. So you can look forward to that when we get into the game by game breakdown of portion of the show. Uh, now we're going to get into our lineup recap, which this week is brought to you in part by FanDuel. We at the Coach and Cole Show have recently partnered with our friends at FanDuel, who brought you our listeners only contest, which is our first ever guaranteed Coach and Cole Show contest on. FanDuel last week. And if you've never tried FanDuel before, now is your chance to get in on the fun and support the Coach and Cole Show. Go to either our Facebook page or our Twitter feed and click the link that we have posted. That will bring you to the FanDuel homepage where you can sign up. You only have to deposit a little $10 to start, and depending on what contest you enter, you can double, triple, quadruple, or even quintuple that in one contest on FanDuel. And by clicking our link we have provided, FanDuel will kick back a couple bucks to help us pay for you getting this show free on a weekly basis. So if you're new to FanDuel, get over to our pages and click that freaking link, ladies and gentlemen. So Do it. checking out checking out what we did, uh, what we had last week on the Coach and Cole Listener Contest on FanDuel. Um, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys, uh, guys and gals who participated in our contest last week. But uh, I was able to take it down. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I had a score of 155.08. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, that boosted the street cred, my street cred up a little bit, boosted the boosted the show's credibility up a little bit by taking that thing down. So not so much I guess for that me. was kind of – no, you didn't have uh, a great a great showing there. 106.58 is what you had. Um, I'd like to shout out the people who finished one through fives. Uh, Defresh09, 140.38. Skate44, 
And then I'm not sure how to pronounce this one, but I'm going to give it my best. Char Zamoni, 137, or 137.8 he had. And then Jordan 5L, he was uh, he was really backing this thing on Twitter. He was retweeting and tweeting and saying, hey, come on, guys, we got to get this thing filled. So that was pretty cool for him to cash. He took fifth, 134.98. So checking out our lineups that you and I had last week, um, we had some similarities. You know, uh, I had Rodgers. You had Rodgers. He had 30.48 points. And, you know, he's just he's just on fire right now. He's, he's the hottest quarterback in the league. He's probably the best quarterback in the league and and he's been the most consistent lately so that was the right way to go uh i went Le'Veon bell and you went a different route but i just wanted to make sure i had him in my lineup last week 30.4 points he he was the bell cow again for them no pun intended bell cow and uh that's a pun that's a pun yeah yeah and so he was the guy to have as far as running back goes and then you and i both had rashad jennings uh he was kind of more of a, a you know, a, a punt play for me just to, to fit these guys I wanted in. And I thought he had some potential, but 3.8 points, really not, not much out of him. But that allowed me to get these next guys in my lineup, which was Antonio Brown. I wanted the Pittsburgh guys at home, uh, 26.9. Then I went Devontae Adams, 22.5. And then uh, my contrarian play at wide receiver was Kenny Stills. And he was the big play guy, and, and that was the reason I went with him. 10.7, it paid off. He had a big catch to start the game. Then he kind of quieted down and came back later in the game with a few more catches to help me out. I went Jared Cook at tight end, as did you, 7.3. I went Mason Crosby at kicker. I thought it was a safe play. Eight points is just fine, especially uh, in, a, in, a, in a playoff contest. And then we both went Steelers, and that was pretty much the defense to have last week, uh, 15 points, and that was a big help. Um and I ended up with 155. You ended up with about 50 points less than I did. And I think the big reason was probably because you went Jordy instead of Devante for Green Bay. I mean, that was that was pretty much, you know, the, the, the final nail in your coffin, I would say, huh? Yeah, uh, my thinking on it was uh, for this contest, we got all these guys that, you know, or girls that um, maybe they're listeners or maybe they're not, but uh, I didn't want to, like, just take all their money. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to put together a shitty lineup and just go from there. So that's what I did with JGI. I didn't play bell. Well, the big reason why I didn't play bell is because how much it costed. And I'm, he was worth it looking at it. Um, but I went with the Jai and then I went like what you said, I went with Jordy and I combined seven points out of those two didn't do anything for me. Uh, then I went Sterling Shepard I also had Antonio Brown. Uh, I went Sterling Shepard. He got me eight. And then uh, Franks, the kicker, um, he got me seven. But other than that, we had the same lineup, like you said. But Bell and Adams were just the big ones for me. Yeah, yeah. That definitely. I missed. And I, I, I really liked Adams last week. The reason I didn't really like Nelson – uh, is because of the Jenkins coverage, and we've kind of seen throughout the year that that Jenkins is, has been able to shut some some top receivers down. So I kind of avoided that. And and Adams had been kind of a boomer bust guy uh, up and down this season, so he was kind of uh, a guy that was either going to really pay off or 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 uh, hurt your lineup. So glad I went that route. And so uh, that'll do it for our recaps of our lineups from last week. And make sure you enter this week's contest. We're up and running again on FanDuel. All you got to do is go to 
fanduel.com slash coach and Cole. That'll take you right to the contest. You can sign up through there if you want. If you're not a member of FanDuel already, if you are, uh, just enter your lineup, click enter, and you're good to go. And you can compete against us and other members that you've heard on the show in the past. Uh, I'm sure they'll be back in the contest. So kind of a cool way to connect with the listeners and, and, and see if they can kind of take down the coach and Cole. So that's pretty cool. So now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this next part of the show. Uh, we've got a special guest this week. And we're really happy to have him on the show. He's got quite the following on Twitter. Uh, he's he's really he really knows what he's talking about. Um, we've got Zach uh, Bruner of Cleek Geeks, and he's going to be with us here. Let's see if we can bring him on. How's it going, Zach? Can you hear us? Yeah, I can. Hey, all right. How's how's your Friday night going so far, man? Pretty good. I'm watching some NBA. Hopefully, I can get some money to play with for tomorrow for DFS. Yeah, I hear you. Who's, uh, who's in your cash lineup tonight? Tonight, let's see. I got... Where did it go? <laughs> Sorry, I kind of put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, no problem. <laughs> I, know I, got, I know I got Joel Embiid in there. Okay, yep, have, yep, he's in mine too. I got Joel, I got Schrader... Uh, Giannis, Terrence Ross is kind of a sleeper. I was hoping this Toronto game turns into a blowout, but it's not looking like it. And yeah, Ryan I was Anderson for Gavaka. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I don't know. Really up and down game right now, but we'll see how it finishes. Yeah, I was kind of we're kind of around the, the same uh, wavelength this week. Are you watching the yeah. Celtics and the Hawks? Um, not right now. I was just watching the. Um, the Nets and Hawks, or Nets gotcha. and Raptors. Yeah. Not a good game. Well, right now, hopefully you, can, <laughs> hopefully you can make some money tonight there, Zach. Uh, so let's get this thing going here. So you're, uh, you're an offensive line coach for the Chippewa Valley Predators. They're in the uh, Northern Elite Football League, and that's a semi-pro league that has both teams from Minnesota and Wisconsin. And oddly enough, we kind of have a connection there. As, uh, I once coached for a team that's uh, defunct no longer in the league, but the Superior Stampede, and they were they were both in the league a few years back. So what I kind of wanted to ask you there is, what got you into coaching, and, and what kind of playing experience uh, did you have uh, playing football? Um, I'll just start out with playing. It kind of segues sure. into coaching, but um, I played down in Elk Mountain High School, if anyone listening knows where that is. But I was an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman, and my playing career kind of got cut short because of injury, had a pretty bad shoulder injury. So, you know, I went to school instead of being able to play. And then I just realized a few years back that I missed the game too much. I kind of, I need to get back on the field in some capacity. And I contacted Chippewa Valley Predators for a marketing internship, actually, not even a coach. And started talking to one of their representatives and he told me to call the uh, offensive coordinator, talked with him for a good hour, then got transferred to the head coach and then they offered me the job uh, as the offensive line coach. And now three years later, you know, we're preparing for the season again. It's a, definitely a good opportunity. We're a pretty good team and a great opportunity for me 
only 22 years old, coaching guys with tons of experience from all over. It's really, really good time. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's kind of cool that you that you contacted them as far as the marketing standpoint, and then and then got into coaching that way. And that's kind of really what you wanted to do, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, at at least at that point, I was total uh, business guy. I wanted to work for a sports team somehow, front office or something. But getting back on the field coaching, and now I'm sort of in the mindset that coaching is something I want to take further and just be in the athletic world more hands-on, not front office from now on. Yeah, a- absolutely. I, I kind of followed that, that same path. It's funny you say that. I was I was uh, going to get into sports management. I was going to go down to St. Cloud State University, and I was all set up and ready to go, and I, I kind of had an epiphany, the same thing, and realized that, I didn't want an office job. I wanted I wanted to be out there and on the field with the guys. So I I can totally relate to that. That's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, being up in the front office, it felt almost insignificant. I kind of want a little bit more control. That's just kind of my personality. So definitely being on the field, being with the guys, it's a experience that's unlike any other. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, speaking that you're an offensive line coach, that kind of segues into our next topic here. So there's been a lot of talk this year about Ezekiel Elliott, and he's kind of in that MVP conversation this year. And, of course, he's in the Rookie of the Year conversation. And last week on the show we kind of touched on this about how good that Dallas offensive line is. And so kind of coming from an offensive line coach perspective, can you kind of tell us what you think makes that offensive line so good in Dallas? And – do you think that Zeke is deserving to be MVP talks or is just that offensive line just too good and they've gotten him where he's got? Well, I, that offensive line is incredible. And looking at this year in the league, there's so many bad offensive lines due to just not being able to practice, maybe some injuries. So when you do see a good offensive line like there is in Dallas, it really is a luxury for a team like that. And, I think these guys, they've just been around each other. They have, they have that chemistry developed that other teams aren't exactly able to do anymore. And obviously they've spent some real top picks on their offensive line, building that up. And Ezekiel Elliott, he's a great player, uh, unbelievable young player. You can't take that away from him. But, uh, I mean, he's not an MVP. Uh, you saw what? Darren McFadden did last year, and now look at him. He's not even touching the ball. But he kind of revived his career running behind that offensive line last year. But uh, run blocking, best offensive line in the league. I think this week Packers might be able to take advantage of their pass blocking, though. They're a little stiff on the outside, and uh, right tackle Doug Free, he can he can really let some guys buy him. So I think that's where – teams in general have took, taken advantage all year. And that's what Packers will have to do this week too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that they're, they're definitely some, some maulers and they, they can get down to the second level uh, pretty quick and they're, they're definitely fun to watch. And, and yeah, you're right. You know, uh, McFadden kind of revived his career coming from Oakland there last year. And, and that's kind of what uh, Cole and I were having a conversation last week on the show. You know, we've seen, 
we've seen uh, guys in that system behind that offensive line have a lot of success, you know, over the, over the past few years, whether it be Alfred Morris or, or whoever the guy is um, kind of step in there. So, you know, what our conversation was is, you know, is, is Zeke really deserving of the praise that he's getting or, or is that offensive line getting him there? And, and like you said, I mean, he's an amazing talent. There's no taking that away, but uh, I, I don't think what he's done this year is good enough uh, to win the MVP. Would you say? Completely agree. He's yeah. Great stats, but not MVP play in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So, you know, you're also from Wisconsin as are we, and, and because of that, we've all kind of got a, a, veg, a vested interest in this game this weekend between the Packers and the Cowboys. So, you know, what's your overall take on that game? And, and do you think, you know, speaking of that offensive line, do you think the Packers can kind of slow down that Cowboys running game? I think they can, but it, it's going to be tough. It, they almost need to stack the box, really, and first down. They need to get the Cowboys behind the chains a little bit because if they get them in second and five, third and one, Packers are screwed. Uh, we really need to control the clock. Last game, it was almost exactly even in time of possession, I believe. I think there was about 20 seconds difference. And, you know, Packers lost by quite a bit. Packers need to control it more. They need to control the ball and not give that away as well. But, yeah, this offensive line is good, very, very good, but they're not unbreakable at all. And Packers aren't a, you know, below average run defense either. We can get after it. Yeah, they've kind of showed that throughout the year. I know, uh, I think it was after the first six or seven weeks of the season, they were number one in the league. And, and they they kind of faced some, some teams that weren't really great in the running game themselves. But, you know, like you say, they're no slouch. And I could kind of see Don Capers and the boys uh, uh, loading the box and, and making Prescott beat them. Do you think that's kind of the route they're going to go? I think you have to. Um, it, Dak Prescott, you know, the rookie, he's in the MVP talk too from some people. Uh, you see what the rookie can do. I think you got to stop Zeke first, stop the run, and then if you can get the Cowboys into that third and long, bring some pressure and make Dak feel uncomfortable in the pocket and force him into some bad throws. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. So not only are you an offensive line coach, you also write for com. And as we mentioned to start the interview, uh, we're here with Zach uh, Bruner on the Coach of Cole Show. But you've got your own projects as well. And you write a daily fantasy blog called the Fantasy Flurry Blog. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and, and what got you into fantasy sports? I've been playing fantasy sports for over a decade now. started really young. And I just think it's uh, – great way for me, a huge sports fan, to connect with, you know, family members who may not be the biggest sports fans. You can play family leagues, uh, leagues against your work friends, and everyone's really invested in these players, uh, players you wouldn't even cheer for or even know without it. So I think that's incredible to see. Even on Twitter now, I'm connecting with a lot of people, and I get middle-aged mothers who are asking me fantasy football questions. And I think that's <laughs> unbelievable. So, um, yeah, I write a blog, so uh, Fantasy Flurry. And I do a lot of fantasy football there, but we are transitioning into basketball a little bit right now. 
Also, DFS, it sounds like you guys are doing the same type of thing. And, yeah, we're just trying to give the best information out there in a fun way to read. You don't need to repeat the same information over and over and over in a boring way. So just kind of connecting with people, figuring out what they want and trying to meet those needs a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I've checked it out and, and uh, your recent article on there about uh, building NBA cash, cash lineups, I thought was a really, really good piece. And it really, it really made sense really to like me. That and that's kind of a, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was a really, a really good piece. And, and anyone who's listened, go ahead and check that out. Get over to his Fantasy Flurry blog. I think uh, there's a link connected into your Twitter, right? Yes, there is. At DFS Flurry, there is a link right there. Yeah, so, so everyone, go ahead and check that out because it's, it's really good stuff. This guy knows what he's talking about. And uh, so moving on from there, speaking of fantasy, who, who are the players that are on your radar for this week's NFL slate? And, and who are the guys that are kind of the, the must plays that you'll probably have in a lineup or two? Well, starting at quarterback, there's only two QBs that I plan on rolling out there. And they are both in that game that we talked about. Rodgers, obviously, hottest quarterback right now in the league. He is the most expensive on FanDuel 8,800. But I also like Dak Prescott if the Packers aren't able to you know, bring pressure on him, he's going to get open throws downfield. And he's uh, one of the cheapest options this week. So I like him a lot, and he has a pretty high floor, I think. Uh, running back, Zeke should be all right. Devontae Freeman has scored in every single home game this year, I believe. So I like him a lot. And I, as a sleeper, I kind of like Deion Lewis. I think they've been saving him a little bit for playoffs, and this is an opportunity where – Patriots will probably have to pass a lot, so he might get some rushes, some catches out of those passing sets. Um, and I think a lot of people might be hands-off on Julio Jones this week looking at Seattle. I'm sure Richard Sherman will shadow him again, but I couldn't be less afraid of Richard Sherman with the way he's been playing lately. So he should be all right. And then Paul Richardson in that same game, He's a nice cheap option. He's come on lately with the injury to Lockett there, and he's kind of coming around, becoming the player that they drafted. And then tight end, Jimmy Graham or Jared Cook are the two guys I want this week. Jimmy Graham should have a pretty low ownership because he's been struggling lately, but Atlanta's so bad against tight ends that shouldn't matter. And then Jared Cook, same thing. He's kind of struggled, but with Jordy out, I expect him to get some targets vertical downfield stretching the Cowboys out a little bit and Cowboys again very bad against tight ends this week yeah yeah I I like that I really like the Richardson call I think you know he's going to be a little bit more popular after what we've seen last week um, especially against that Atlanta secondary but I I still think you know like you said with his price point I mean he he can really allow you to to get some of the big guys that you're looking for so those are definitely good calls Absolutely. And, I mean, Doug Baldwin, I would love to play him, but he's almost as expensive as Julio Jones this week. He's extremely overpriced. Yeah, I agree totally. They, they price him right out of the picture for me too. And, and you know, you could make a case that, that he makes a good tournament play, but as far as cash lineups, I don't, I don't think you can go there. 
Right, absolutely. Yeah, and we, we kind of noticed that you were pretty vocal about the new logo that was unveiled Thursday for the Los Angeles Chargers. That's <laughs> going to be uh, hard to get used to. But uh, we saw it on Twitter. So so do you like the new logo? And, and what do you kind of think of that situation uh, now that there's two NFL teams in L.A.? With the logo, I don't really care, but it seemed very rushed. It seemed sloppy and lazy. And clearly I was not the only person of that opinion. Twitter kind of exploded. And I think Chargers have changed their logo three times now, just adding color and doing – Little changes, but nothing's really helping. But oh, they've they've changed it since the original one came out. Yeah, they the original one was that dark blue and white, and then they added the charger powder blue and yellow to it. And then I got a notification about an hour ago that they changed it again, but I have not looked yet. <laughs> what a bunch of idiots! I'm, I'm sure they are not done yet. Maybe we'll have one I, I, uh, a new one for each game. Maybe kind of go Oregon <laughs> duck style on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. I seen uh, like SMU kind of tweeted out something where they changed the tail of the horse and the logo to the, to the lightning bolt and a few other teams kind of did the same thing. So they, uh, they definitely rushed that one. I think, like you said. Right. It looked like they hired any graphic designer on Twitter right after they announced <laughs> that there was a move. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see what this newest change is. If they if they added more color, or if they if they change it completely, because uh, there's there like you said, there's there's quite the backlash on it. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't seem like LA, as a city at least, isn't very excited about it either. They don't care at all. No, they don't care. And Chargers. We'll be playing in a 30,000-seat stadium for the first two years. Yeah. So I can't imagine what's up with that. That doesn't make any sense to me. They, yeah, they're waiting two years before they move over to where the Rams are going to be playing as well. But they have to wait right. two years to play in a 30,000-seat 30, stadium. That is pathetic for an NFL team. Yeah. They probably still won't sell out. Oh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that, though. If you – just the experience of that, you know, looking back, you know, say 10, 15, 20 years after the fact, if you were able to get to a game in that stadium, the atmosphere would probably be pretty cool. That's true. There's probably not a bad scene in the house. No, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. You know, only 30,000 fans. I mean, there's, there's probably not a bad seat. And, and just think if you saw, you know, if you were a Packer fan, you saw Green Bay or if you saw New England or, you know, a high-ticket team – in a, in a small venue like that, it might be a pretty cool experience, but probably get really close to them. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be able to shout at them. Yeah. Let them know what they think yeah. of the new logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting situation for sure. So uh, kind of a coach and Cole tradition. We have uh, uh, Cole kind of closes out our interviews uh, with uh, three of his, three of his questions. So what do you got for him this week, Cole? All right, Zach, um, today is Friday the 13th, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Friday the 13th theme. We'll just see, see how you do. Uh, okay. Good luck. Um, <laughs> what's your opinion of uh, black cats? Are you scared of them? Uh, I'm not scared of them, but I do not like them. I had a black cat once, and 
it, it definitely was evil. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you got rid of it. Um, yes. Do you think uh, you could escape from Jason Voorhees? From who? Jason Voorhees. Jason? Uh, the, yep, Friday the uh, 13th uh, main character, the good guy in the movie. Right. Um, maybe for a little bit. <laughs> um, I'll probably back myself into a corner and hide into a closet, so I probably won't do very well. That's a classic movie mistake. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Uh, and last one, and this isn't uh, really a Friday the 13th, it's just more of a Friday thing. Um, have you ever seen the movie Freaky Friday? <laughs> That's the one with Lindsay Lohan, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have seen that, yeah. What do you think Thankfully, of that? I guess. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, you did pretty good. Well, well, all right, Zach, hey, man, it was great talking to you. And before you go, why don't you go ahead and, and plug your Twitter and, and plug some of your projects, and uh, we'll let you get out of here. Okay, my main account, you can find me at Fantasy Flurry. So just like fantasy and fantasy football, and then Flurry, F-L-U-R-R-Y. And then I recently started a DFS account. If you are all interested in that, maybe pick up some tips to take down Coach this week, and that's DFS Flurry. <laughs> yeah, and then any of my articles on ClickTips or anything, me. I'll tweet them out too. Perfect, perfect. Hey, hey, thanks a lot, Zach, for coming on. We appreciate it. Everybody go follow him on Twitter. Check him out. Check out his blog. Uh, check him out on cleatgeeks.com. We really appreciate it, uh, Zach, and, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, man? Awesome. Thank you, guys. Yep. Absolutely. Bye. Have a good night, man. You too. All right, everyone. Hey, that's Zach Newman. And... Uh, you know, if you're hey, into you fantasy, noticed, he's definitely – what's that call? You noticed that uh, he didn't say any tips to take me down, which is – I don't know. I feel like <laughs> – maybe I'll have to talk to him. Yeah, you feel like he got slighted a little bit there? <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Well, you know, uh, I guess you're going to have to I won't hold do... back this week on, on, our, uh, on our cash game then. No, you can't hold back. you got to represent the show well. You're going to – you know – we might have to put a little uh, poll out to the Twitterverse and to our followers and listeners uh, and over-under on you finishing above uh, 14th this week. <laughs> I'm going to take the over. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, get to his, get to his blog, uh, Fantasy Flurry blog on WordPress. Uh, he, he just wrote an article, like we talked about, about how to win in NBA cash games. And, and honestly – uh, I really enjoyed that. He's got some other stuff on there and, and, and he does, you know, he, he posts lineups and he, and he gives tips and he does it for free, uh, which is really cool. Uh, the guy is really a good part of the fantasy community. The great guy. And, and we're glad we could have him on the show this week. So, so check him out. So moving on to the game by game breakdown, getting into the meat and potatoes of this show, which you're all here for. Uh, starting off with the Saturday games, we've got Seattle at Atlanta. This is a 51 and a half total. Atlanta's favored by five. 
And I'll go ahead and get us started here with the Atlanta side. This week, we're both going to pick a side. I'll do uh, Atlanta in this game. Cole's going to have Seattle. And we all know how potent that Atlanta offense is. They averaged 36.7 points a game after the week 11 bye. And they lit up some good defenses in Kansas City, Arizona, L.A., and, and Carolina. And this isn't the first time these teams have played. And, in fact, uh, all four games are rematches of uh, prior meetings in the season. And the Falcons put up some big offensive numbers going for 335 against them. And if you remember that game, that was kind of the, the weird deal where there was a lot of attention on the Richard Sherman and Julio Jones non-pass interference play that cost Atlanta the game. And, you know, but you got to remember that was week six and this is now. And that Atlanta offense is much more rounded at this point as they've played without Julio and other players to kind of step up and fill the void. And it could be argued that Seattle's defense is much worse than they were then as well. They've lost Earl Thomas, and that secondary has shown that they're vulnerable, especially out of the slot. And that's kind of why I like Mohamed Sanu this week. He's an interesting play. He had five catches for 47 yards and a touchdown with Thomas in the lineup. And without Thomas, Sanu could have a pretty big game. We know that Julio is going to get Richard Sherman when he's on the outside. And Ryan didn't back down from that matchup, going to him often throughout the game. They could also line Julio in the slot to get him away from Sherman, as they do often. And, and so we could see that. And the other option in the Atlanta passing game is their big play guy, Taylor Gabriel. He scored four of his six touchdowns for 35 yards or longer. So we know he's a big play guy. And I think Gabriel is the play for me in GPPs this week. He's that big play threat, like I mentioned, and you're going to want him in those large field tournaments this week. Uh, guys like Tyreek Hill are going to garner most of that ownership that people are kind of going for the big play, big hit guys. And I think Gabriel could kind of fly under the radar in this matchup. Uh, Austin Hooper's back, but he's not somewhere I'm going as far as the tight end situation is concerned there. And as far as the run game's concerned, Seattle ranks number two in run DVOA. And this is a shaky matchup for Freeman and Coleman. And uh, Zach mentioned when he was on the show that he was that Freeman was somewhere he was looking because of his, his uh, touchdown ratio at home. And Freeman had 10 more touches than Coleman did the first time these teams met. And Coleman did most of the scoring on the road. In fact, eight of, 10, eight of 11 of his touchdowns were on the road. And like he mentioned, and, and we've mentioned previously on the show, Freeman scores most at home, which is kind of an interesting uh, stat there this season between these two guys. But Seattle is also stout against receiving running backs, allowing the sixth fewest receptions to running backs in the NFL. So Freeman has the higher floor, but I think both backs have potential this week. And, and we know that they can both produce big plays on any given downs, and they're, they're both options for me for GPPs. Cash games, I think you're going to have a hard time fitting them in if you want Le'Veon Bell. So you're going to have to make a decision, and FanDuel's forcing you to make a decision this week. Uh, I think they're both in play, but for me, uh, mostly in tournaments. Cole, what do you like from the Seattle side of this game? Uh, actually, I'm going to do Atlanta as well. I'm going to switch it up. We're both going to do Atlanta. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. not doing that. Uh, so, <laughs> Seattle. Oh, fun fact. Uh, this is a week six uh, rematch. Same with the Packers and the Cowboys. Week six. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Friday the 13th. This is crazy. Anyways, uh, in the week six <laughs> matchup of these two teams, uh, Russ only had 11 FanDuel points. Uh, but as 
many of you probably remember, that was before Russ finally got healthy and finally got started like halfway through the season. Uh, this is the healthiest that he has been. Uh, last week he finally got rid of those Forrest Gump knee braces. Um, and he completed 76% of the passes last week for 224 yards and two touchdowns. Didn't do shit on the ground. I think he got like negative three yards. Um, but, yeah, uh, this is the healthiest he's been. I think in a dome he'll look a lot better. I think I think he's going to do fine this week. Uh, Atlanta is one of the worst against quarterbacks. Uh, according to ESPN, they're scoring. And on FanDuel, they're 28th against the pass. Um, and I agree with, uh, with Zach with his two picks at quarterback, actually. But I think another guy, uh, tourney-wise, you could have is uh, Russ. He's one of the cheaper-ish uh, good options. I think he's like the third or fourth uh, quarterback price-wise. Yeah, he's fourth. He's at 8,200. Um, and like I said, I think he'd be a good tourney option. And uh, your guy that you had last week that you called, uh, got that one wrong. We'll talk about it later. But uh, Thomas Rawls, he had a really <laughs> good game last week. Um, Jeez, yeah. I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't catch much of that game. I didn't see that. No? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't sitting <laughs> right there with you. Um, Pete Carroll said he wanted to get Rawls involved last week, and that's obviously what they did. And I haven't seen anything this week, but I'm assuming it's going to be the same game plan for him. They want to get it, want to get him involved. Uh, what I'm looking at, though, is C.J. Proceis. He practiced this week. Uh, he will most likely still be questionable leading up into the game. But the good thing with this is that this is the first game. So your, your lineup won't be screwed if you have him in and then you have to change someone out for him because he can do that as the first game, obviously. Yeah. Um, and if he does play uh, pro-size, uh, Rawls' ownership and cash especially will definitely be down. But I still think he'll, he'll be a good player pro-size. Um, Tourney-wise, if, if he does play, I don't know if you want to go with pro-size. I mean, he hasn't played in how long? I don't, that's not really something I'm going to look to on that. I don't really like that. Guys coming off injury like that, I have no idea. Um, and then Collins also has, has been playing, he, and he's been more of a pass catcher than Rawls. But with three running backs, uh, out of the three, I'm still going with Rawls. Baldwin, uh, like Zach said, he's pretty expensive, 7,900. He's the fourth highest uh, wide receiver. He had, a, like I called it, he had a really good game last week. The playoff time, that's when uh, Doug Baldwin comes to play. Um, I don't know if he's worth it necessarily. Uh, Cash-wise, I'm not going that way. And like we already said, like if you're going to really have to pay up for him and move some cheaper guys around in your lineup, you want to work that one. But tourney, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with a lot of people in tourney, just because it's tourney. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard the, uh, the Curse and Richardson train. Uh, especially in tournaments, again, tourney guys. But like we all said, or like you guys said, I would lean towards Richardson. He's had 12 points in two of the last three games, and I think his upside is there definitely. Um, I don't like Jimmy Graham, though. Uh, Zach said he liked him. I don't like him. He has Ooh. a good shit in weeks. Yeah, uh, and he's just too expensive. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a great game, though. I just won't, won't play him. 
Yeah, uh, I can see that. You know, uh, he hasn't had a big game in quite a while. Uh, I, I think he's going to be the chalk tight end. Uh, Atlanta yeah. is terrible against tight ends. Um, you know, and I think if there's any ch- any chance or any game that Graham does go off, it's got to be this one, right? Yeah, and uh, I feel like I've seen uh, Atlanta Falcons people that I follow on Twitter talk about Jimmy Graham, you know, him being on the Saints and everything. Like, he's always given them fits. So, he, he, seems as, he, he has seen this defense a few times in his career. As, like, obviously, they changed some people around. But the scheme-wise, I think he knows how to play against them. Um. And he kind of knows his team. I mean, they play two times a year when he's in New Orleans. So, um, and like you said, they're they're bad against the tight end. And if this is a team that, if this is a game that he has a good game, it's going to be against the Falcons, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I can see why you know you're not jumping on that uh, all over that. I think it's it's kind of a spot for me that if I can afford him in a lineup, I might go there. But I don't know if I'm I'm jumping all in to get him in my lineups. Yeah. All right, so let's predict this thing. Uh, I'm going to say 31-24 Atlanta. All right, I'm also going with Atlanta, and I was just crunching numbers with the uh, total and everything, and I wanted to put 30-23, to but I just didn't want to screw you over just going one digit lower than you. Uh, So I'm just going to go 27-23. Okay, so we're both with Atlanta again. Uh, so yep. far. All right, moving on to the possible uh, most boring game of the slate. And, of course, that includes the Houston Texans. They're going to Foxborough to play the New England Patriots. 44.5 is the total, and New England is favored by 15. I don't think uh, I've seen that I don't before. remember the last – I was just going to say, I don't remember the last time I've seen a, uh, a divisional playoff game. What's that? With a – Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's what Houston thinks too. They're they're trying to win a game, but now fifteen point dogs, and it's it's going to be a tough spot if you're if you're Houston. They got lucky that Derek Carr was out for Oakland, and they were able to get by last week. Brock Weiler, as we call him, looked the best he's looked all season, which is a good sign for Houston. But we got to kind of remember that that was against the poor Oakland secondary. There's a good chance, being 15-point dogs, like we mentioned, that Houston's going to be down early. And if that's the case, I kind of expect them to throw a lot. And just based upon volume alone makes Brock Weiler a, a GPP dart throw. I think he's a guy you can look to. Um, but I would expect a turnover or two. And, you know, but grand scheme of things, if he ends up with a couple touchdowns and, and 250 yards, it might not be a bad fantasy showing, especially at his pricing across the industry compared to the top options. The last time these teams met this season, Osweiler threw 43 times, which was the second highest total of the season. And the Patriots allowed the fewest points per game in the league this season. So we know the Patriots' defense is good. And they were actually turnover-forcing machines, which most people don't know. They finished third in forced fumbles, and they had 13 interceptions on the season. So expect Brock Weiler to throw a pick or two in this one. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he threw a couple. Uh, The one spot on this team 
that uh, the Patriots' defense has shown to be vulnerable is running back screens. We've mentioned that on the show uh, uh, previously. And they did let Lamar Miller get them for 107 yards on the ground the first meeting. So if Houston can keep it close early, Miller should be the bell cow again this week. And after getting 31 carries, yeah, 31 carries last week and playing 71% of the snaps, I would, I would not look to Alfred Blue because they're, they're telling us that Lamar Miller is their guy. He's definitely proved that he's healthy after a 31-carry performance last week. And if you can get anything more than 74 yards off 31 carries from Lamar Miller, uh, you're looking at a pretty good day. Um, and like I said, that, that's going to depend on if Houston's able to keep this thing close. If they can keep it close, Miller's going to be a good play. That's going to be a, a, a lot to ask. But uh, I think Miller is a pivot off of some of the other running backs. And we know that Houston is going to try to get him the ball early. If they, can, if they can keep it close, they'll give it to him often. Logan Ryan's going to probably shadow DeAndre Hopkins, which is not a good matchup for Hopkins, as Ryan has kind of kept him in check throughout his career. He's still Brockweiler's go-to target. He's got 43 targets over the last four games. So just by, by the volume alone, it makes him a, a GPB play. I know we're throwing that out there a lot. Um, but, you know, you got to kind of get get cute or contrarian uh, when there's only four games in the slate. Uh, the guy who's the most interesting to me, though, is Will Fuller. He's projected to play close to 100% of the snaps from what I've seen, and he's going to get anywhere from his usual five to eight targets. Fuller runs a 4.3240. He's got massive speed. He's a big play guy, and he's another guy that you can look to in tournaments this week. He's got the potential to break one, and he's going he's gonna to be able to provide the big play that Houston needs to stay in this game. He's probably my favorite turning play from Houston this week. And as we know, Brock Weller likes to throw to his tight ends, and last week we saw Ryan Griffin get a lot of work as Houston ran a lot of two tight end sets. Griffin had eight catches for 52 yards in the first meeting and is, again, another guy you can look to in tournaments. Adorowitz is probably still his favorite of the two tight ends, but I would say both tight ends are in play. The Patriots are ranked 20th versus tight ends this season, so that could be the safest spot to target the Patriots. What do you think about this game in general, Cole, and what do you like from the New England side? Uh, I think you touched on it, is the time of possession. Well, not time of possession, but like how much, like how quickly are they going to get blown out? Because I think it's going to be a blowout. But how quickly does New England run away with it? And that, like, how much is that going to affect fantasy-wise certain guys? Uh, like you said, like Lamar Miller, obviously he'd be a great play, but he's not going to get 30 carries if they're down by 20 points in the first half, you know? So yeah. you kind of just have to, like, just guess on how you think the game is going to go. Obviously you do that with a lot of fantasy-wise, but, I mean, as just far as the score, uh, if if you think Houston can keep up with, at least until the second half, you target certain guys. If you don't think so, you, you probably can't target certain guys. Um, but the New England side, it's pretty short uh, for me. Uh, Tim Barty, uh, the quarterback, uh, who? he's always a pretty good option. Uh, did you say who? I think I did. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Tim Barty, the, <laughs> the New England quarterback. He's been there for like 20 years, Tim Barty. Um, oh, yeah, that guy. Okay, I think I remember. Yeah. He's got a mustache. 
Yeah. Where's uh, number uh, 13? Um, I think at home, he's always a good option. Uh, Houston is fourth against the pass, but I kind of throw that out the window against this a New England team. I don't know. I just The way their offense works, I don't think it really matters. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Denver is the only one that really, like, did something against uh, the Patriots. Um, And as Coach is highlighting for me right now on our our notes here, um, and before I even say that, I really like, I super like the running backs from New England. And I wrote here, watch out for Blunt's uh, injury report, but as Coach just typed in here, Blunt is in. Uh, he did sit out Wednesday and Thursday due to illness, but he's good to go. So he is definitely in my catch lineup. Uh, lock him in on that for me. Um, lock him in. Lock him in. I think this goes along with what we were saying just on how this game is going to go. I think New England gets up big, and then they milk the clock. Um, in years past, this New England and Bill Belichick, they like run up the score and they just, like, they'll pass, like, they'll, they'll be up huge, and they'll still just continue to pass. I think with this game, just with it being the playoffs, they'll want to get out of there as quick as they can. So I think they're going to milk the clock. Uh, so, yeah, I like Blunt. And I also, I, I had Deion Lewis in one of my lineups, uh, one of my early lineups without really looking into any research. Uh, like uh, Zach said, I like him. I like James White. White is $900 cheaper. Uh, and kind of going with uh, what Dion or what, uh, what Zach said, uh, Dion Lewis hasn't really done much recently. And if you think that they're saving him for the playoffs, this would be a good spot. Um, I think both those guys are going to be pretty good plays, uh, especially attorney wise. And I love me some Julian Edelman. He's pretty much uh, Barty's only target now with Gronk out for, you know, he's been out. Um, he gets. Close to – let me look real quick. I think he gets, like, 12 targets a game, something like that. Um, let's see. Tar- yeah, okay, he gets 10. Yeah, he gets 10. So, yeah. So, he he gets a lot of targets. Um, but the X factor on this on this team, on this wide receiver, isn't Malcolm Mitchell. He's questionable with his knee. Or uh, Kevin Hogan, who hasn't done shit last three weeks. Uh, I don't really count week 17 for a lot of guys just because – not a lot of people played, uh, but Michael Floyd. He's priced at 6400 Uh He caught a touchdown the last pass game. Um, and he's just the X factor for me. I just have a gut feeling with him. Um, and I think when, when he first got signed, I, I put it out here first that he's going to win the game. He's going to catch the game-winning uh, touchdown in the Super Bowl. So I yes, think, you did. That was, your, that was your call. Yeah, so – they have to actually get there, obviously, but uh, yeah, he's a, he's my X for this game. I wouldn't play Gronk this week, folks. At tight end, he's not a good play. Uh, I would look to play Martellus Bennett, though. Um, Houston is top three team against tight ends. Uh, I don't know how much you want to play Bennett, just because he's hit and miss a lot. Uh, and like I said, with time possession. Uh, I don't know how much you want with the receiving core, like who you're going to grab. Um, I just think that they're going to run the ball a lot. That's really my thing. 
And you said New England has pretty good defense. They do. They don't have a great defense. But I think any defense going against this Houston offense is a great play. And and I'm beating a dead horse here. But with time of possession, if they if they limit Houston's offensive opportunities, then that's going to just bode well for their defense. It's just going to they're not going to be able to put up as as many points, obviously. So I like the defense. I like Edelman. I like the run game. Any running back you want for uh, New England, I like that. I like Tim Barty, but I don't like him. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I like your take there. Uh, I think I'm with you. Um, I think it's just going to boil down to uh, how long Houston can stay in the sun. So yeah. let's get into the predictions of it. Uh, you know, looking at this game and, and kind of diving into it and doing the research for it, I, I have a feeling that Houston is going to be able to keep it close throughout the first half. So my prediction is New England wins 41-20. to 20. Okay. I went 33-13, to 13, and I went kind of lower score, scoring with New England because I think of the time possession, they're just going to just really drain the clock and not, yeah. not get as many uh, points up on the board, obviously. Yeah, we'll have to see how it pans out. It, it It's going to be a pivotal one as far as I think tournaments go because if this game does score high and go over that total, uh, you know, a few guys from, from this game could win somebody a tournament. So, uh, Moving on now, this was the latest game of the weekend, but uh, because of the Kansas City-Pittsburgh time change, uh, it's no longer the latest game of the weekend. And we're talking about the Green Bay Packers going to Jerry World, World to face the Dallas Cowboys. The Battle of America's teams. The total is 52. Dallas is favored by four and a half. And this is the matchup everyone's excited about. This could be the most entertaining game uh, of the slate. This is, uh, there should be some fireworks in this one. And Rodgers was held at 294 yards the first time these two teams played this season. And it was a game where Rodgers struggled at times. But we got to know that this team is the hottest team in football right now, and Rodgers is just playing at a different level. There's going to be no weather to slow this offense down, but they will be without their number one wide receiver, Jordy Nelson, who was ruled out earlier today. And I got to ask you if you've seen any news on this, but um, what's the defender, and I'm, his name's slipping my mind right now, but what's the defender that hit him with the crown of his helmet uh, ever fined or reprimanded for that hit? Uh, me and a coworker, we were talking about uh, the game and, and that hit specifically. We haven't seen anything. I didn't look anything up this afternoon, but I haven't seen anything. I think with him being out, they could find him just because now it's an injury that is keeping someone out of a playoff game. I think they'll look at it a little bit more, uh, but I haven't seen anything. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and, that game was on Fox and, and Mike Pereira, their officiating analyst uh, came, came on it and said right away that there should have been a flag on that and that uh, the league office is going to be knocking on his door. So I'm surprised that we haven't seen anything uh, come out in the news that they've, they've, they've uh, reprimanded him at all. So it'll be interesting to see, like you say, now that he is officially out, if they, if they, if there's any consequences. So, but the emergence of Linky Geronimo Allison could save the pack as he gives them someone to pay attention to on the outside. And we've seen him and Rogers uh, have a little bit of a connection. And Rogers did mention Allison first when reporters uh, asked how the pack are going to fare in the passing game without Nelson. So that's an interesting take there. 
And the reemergence of playmaker Randall Cobb last week could really be the cog in the Packer passing attack. Say that three times fast, Packer passing attack. He is going to get – Packer passing attack, Packer passing attack. I did it. Oh, you passed. Thank you. He's going to get Orlando, or Alejandro, Orlando, whatever his name always, Orlando Skandrick in the slot. And he's given up fantasy production to lesser talents than Cobb this season. Uh, you know, guys like Adam Humphreys from Tampa Bay, Anquan Bolden, and Sterling Shepard have all fared pretty well against him this season. So that's a matchup that I like. And when Cobb is playing to his potential, this Packer offense is tough to stop. This guy is a big play threat. He, he is an amazing athlete. And when he's healthy, uh, he is a, a really key weapon for them. And we can't forget boomer bust option, Devontae Adams, who we mentioned at the beginning of the show. He's going to be the most popular of all the Packer receivers. He had 12 targets and eight catches last week. He's gained Rodgers' trust. And last year we know this guy had a little bit uh, of a drop problem. He seems to have worked that out. Uh, I know they did a lot of drill work with him uh, on his hands over the offseason, and he's really he's really seemed to figure that out. He did drop a costly touchdown for me earlier in the season, but we won't go back to there. I am finally over the five stages. <laughs> I don't want to get pulled back in. Uh, uh, Brandon Carr it's and Morris Claiborne, it is dangerous. Do not switch sides. So Adams and Allison will not be matched with either of them on every play. Uh, Byron Jones is the free safety. He should be assigned to Jared Cook. And Jones has allowed a league-high seven touchdowns this season. So Cook is a guy that Rodgers likes. He's averaging seven and a half targets during the last four games. And Cook is definitely on my radar, as he is on yours and Zach's, uh, as a way to pivot off of Graham and Kelsey. Uh, Dallas was fourth best against running backs this season. They allowed only 16 and a half FanDuel points a game to running backs. So this really isn't a great matchup for the running backs, Montgomery, Michael, and Ripkowski. That's how you got to say his name. Yeah. Uh, last week, we, uh, we saw Chris and Michael come in with a lot of energy and determination. And, you know, I really like that guy a lot. I'm surprised that Seattle just let him go. I think they're probably regretting it. Although Rawls did have a, a nice week for him last week, but towards the end of the year there, they probably would have liked to have Michael when both guys were banged up. Um, and, and then pro size went out. Um, but I, you know, I'm just glad that green Bay has this guy. He's, he's fun to watch. Um, he's a slasher and he can rack up some yardage quick. If he gets the carries that that's going to be the question um, is how the workload's going to be split up between Michael and Montgomery. They're both, Tournament options, uh, another few guys, if you're keeping notes at home, that you can that you can write into the tournament option column of your paper, pad and paper. But uh, if you really want to be contrarian, you can play Ripkowski hoping for a goal line touchdown. So uh, there's always a chance of that. And, and you know, you can get him uh, – you know, I should check his price quick, but uh, as a matter of fact, I, I will. I'm going to pull that up really quick just so I get That's that. That's got to be right, 45 He's uh, close to the minimum, 4,700. So you throw okay. a guy like Ripkowski into your lineup, and, uh, you know, if he gets in the end zone, uh, it could pay off for you. So, and, and, you know, we saw, like last week, uh, I had a, a salary-saving guy with Rashad Jennings, and it worked out. I was able to get the big guys in, had a nice lineup. So that could be something that you could do this week. 
Uh, Cole, what do you like on the Dallas side of this one? All right, Dak Prescott. Uh, we talked about him earlier with Zach. Um, he's a rookie in his first playoff game. He's priced at 7,700. Uh, he's going up against the 31st pass defense on FanDuel. He's actually been a really consistent high scorer. He's only went under 18 points just four times, and I'm like, not counting week 17. Uh, he is my number one tourney option at quarterback. Uh, I really like him there. Um, only thing I'm slightly worried about is just him being a rookie in a big game. We don't, you know, he's been pretty poised this whole season. But, again, playoff time against a team like the Packers, uh, not just saying as a Packer fan, but just like a, a big game against a, another quarterback that has proven, you know, a, a Super Bowl winning team. Um, so we'll see. Uh, if you think he's going to do well, if, you, if you're not worried about him being a, a rookie, then definitely plug him in there because he, he should be a really good play. Uh, I think Zeke will be the main focus of the Packer defense. We have a pretty good uh, run defense. Uh, the big question is, do you think they can slow him down? If you do, then, you know, don't worry about playing him. Um, the Packers are eighth against the run on FanDuel. And last time they played – he put up 157 points or uh, points. Holy shit. That'd be insane. Uh, 157 <laughs> yards. Uh, and I think he's just a good pivot. Um, pricing wise on, on bell was bell like 9,900. And then Zeke is 80. What is he? 85. Yeah. He's 85. So he's what? $1,400 cheaper. Um, and wide receiver wise, I don't mind Des Bryant, but the guy I'm looking at is Cole Beasley. Uh, mm. Beasley is fifteen thousand dollars cheaper than Des, and I fifteen grand. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> no, wait. What did I say? Did I say fifteen grand? I said fifteen hundred. I don't know. We'll have to check the tape later, but I think he said fifteen grand. But uh, fifteen hundred is correct. Uh, is correct. Yeah. Check the tape. Um, but I don't think that the Packers uh, have really a cornerback that can cover Beasley that well. I think that we've shown that we bracket a lot with big-time wide receivers. Um, Sterling Shepard could have had another touchdown uh, as a slot guy last week. Um, I just think that the way that we cover big-time wide receivers, that's going to leave a lot open for a secondary guy. And Beasley is a guy that gets a lot of you know, short yardage. So uh, with him getting – what is he What is he price set? With him getting that and then, like, hitting value, I think it could be pretty easy for a guy like him. Uh, well, he is 6,100. He's, he's 6,100, yeah. And, and FanDuel really did a, an interesting job of kind of hiking up a lot of guys' prices, making it tight and making people decide who they want to play. There's really not a guy who's significantly underpriced this week. I mean, even Allison, Geronimo Allison's at 5,300. Right. Uh, but I, I just I, – I like Cole Beasley in that spot. Um, I don't like old man Witten. Uh, he's just been a tough play all year. Uh, Packers don't give up a lot of points to tight ends. Um, and he's not inconsistent. I mean, he's not – consistent enough for me to be confident in playing him. Uh, if you want to put him in attorney, feel free to do that. 
Uh, Defense-wise, this is definitely not a team that I'm going to be playing in any cash games. If you want to play them in attorney, if you think that uh, they're going to hold the Packers offense somehow, or if you think Dodgers is going to throw some interceptions, go for it. I do really like Dan Bailey. I know we don't talk about the kickers a lot, but I just think in a dome, and I just think that the way that the Packers defense is kind of set up in a bend-don't-break kind of way, that uh, a field goal kicker in a dome is a good play against the Packers defense. Yeah, I, I like that play too. I think he's he's definitely pretty darn close to being the top kicker for me this week. Um, I, I think that's a pretty a pretty good uh, take on that, especially you know uh, getting a guy in a dome uh, at this time of year is good. Him and Matt Bryant will both be in the dome. Those are the guys that I'm looking at. But you know Matt Bryant being as expensive as he is, uh, he's going to be tough to get in your lineup. Yep. So predicting this dang thing, uh, I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. I think it's going to be a nail-biter. And I think Green Bay is going to win by three points, and I think uh, Vegas is going to make some money because I think it's going to go under. Um, and I think it's going to be a 27-24 to 24 Green Bay Packer win. All right. I am going big on this one. Uh, I'm going 33 to 20 Green Bay. Okay, so we're three and three again. Have the same teams again. We're on the same page. So let's see how. What do we think about this last game here? And that's that's Pittsburgh at Kansas City. 43 and a half is the total. Kansas City is favored by one and a half at home. And if you remember the last time these two met, Pittsburgh absolutely destroyed Kansas City. Ben had five touchdown passes. They rolled 43 to 14, but that was back in week four. And that was at home. And we've talked about it this on the show before. The Steelers are not the same team on the road as they are at home. It's it's the facts. Uh, The the numbers don't lie. And they're going into the, one of the most hostile stadiums in the league at Arrowhead in Kansas city. And Kansas City's limited their final seven opponents to only 14 points per game. This defense has really stepped up. There was a time uh, where we could actually target this defense uh, in fantasy, but they are no longer a defense that you want to target. Kansas City is going to have Justin Houston back, and him and he and D. Ford could really give Ben a couple lickings down there in Kansas mm. City. The one corner from Kansas City that we used to target, like I mentioned, we could target this defense at times, is Philip Gaines. And he's no longer a starter. He's been benched for Terrence Mitchell. And that has really solidified their secondary to close out the season. And that's really the move they needed to make. And we know that this Kansas City team uh, defense are ball hawks. They led the NFL in interceptions. And Ben has thrown over eight touch, or touchdowns, eight interceptions over his last five games. He's got a nine-to-eight touchdown-to-interception ratio on the road. And, and that's simply why I don't like Ben Roethlisberger this week. I just don't. Antonio Brown is probably an okay cash play because we always know that they're going to get him the ball somehow in some way, whether that be in a quick wide receiver screen, something underneath, a slant, uh, you know, here or there, they're going to get Brown the ball and try to get him involved to make plays. Um, Brown has been a safe play on the road, even though Pittsburgh as a whole has struggled. Uh, I believe he averages 20 points on the road. Um, so he's still a guy that you can play. 
Um, I don't know if he's a cash guy for me. I don't know. So far, the build hasn't worked out for me that way where I've got him in there. But I, I don't mind playing Brown. I think uh, he might even be a little bit of a contrarian play, especially in tournaments. And if you can get a guy like him under-owned, that could be an advantage that you could use, and it could pay off. If he gets in the end zone and, and gets his normal seven, eight, nine catches and close to 100 yards, you could be looking pretty good there. Um, so I think he's, he's safe. Um, but my favorite play from this game is, of course, Le'Veon Bell. He, he's, again, a must in cash. You have to play him. His price is down. Hey, and if you fit him in last week, you can fit him in this week because he's cheaper. And, and that's the one po- spot that Kansas City struggles with, and that's against a run. They've allowed four point, excuse me, 5.4 yards per carry, and they finished 26 and run DVOA in the season. And in the first meeting, Kansas City still had uh, Mr. Derek O. Johnson in the middle, and he, uh, Bell, meaning he still hung 178 yards on this team on 23 carries. So Bell's going to see a huge workload again, especially we have to remember now, people, Big Ben is in a walking boot, okay? So how mobile will Big Ben be, and how much can we really expect out of a quarterback as big as him that really can't move. We'll have to see how the ankle looks and warm-ups and stuff throughout uh, uh, on Sunday. But um, that's something we got to be aware of, that, that Ben is not healthy. And I think that's going to bode well for Bell. He's going to get a huge workload, as he normally does, and it could be even higher, depending on how this game goes. He's going to be in my cash lineups. Uh, Cole, what do you like from the Kansas City side? Okie doke. Uh I agree with a lot of what you said there, especially with just Ben on the road. Um, last time these guys played, Alex Smith threw 50 times, and he had his fifth highest fan duel point total. Uh, he's coming off two straight 20-plus uh, point games, and they're at home. I think he could be a nice tourney play. Uh, I mean, I think we've like every single person that we've talked about today has been a tourney play. Um, but he is the <laughs> cheapest starter. Yeah, he's the cheapest starter. He's at 6800 He's $100 away from 6900 which would have been really nice. Um, but, yeah, I think he would be a nice tourney play. Uh, where? Speaking of tourney players, it's strictly a tourney play. Cannot be relied on in cash. I don't have a lot to say about him, really. Uh, he's just been way too inconsistent. Uh Tyreek Hill, on the other hand, has been super consistent. Uh, he's scored in the teams in the last four games. I think at 6,600, that's a pretty nice dollar amount um, for a guy who the lowest he scored last uh, last four weeks is I think it was like 12, 12 and a half points. So I really like that play, especially in cash. I think he's going to be probably pretty highly owned in cash. Um, and a guy that I talked about a couple of weeks ago where it panned out, uh, Macklin. I think this is a good tourney uh, play. One of my favorite tourney players is Macklin. He's at 5,500. Um, and recently he's been getting at least a little bit of this, five catches, 70, 80 yards, uh, and or a touchdown. So if he gets, if he gets some mixture of that, he's going to hit value big time on that. Um, Travis Kelsey, he's a cash play, obviously, 7,100. Um, and if you play a cash lineup, I think he's probably going to be the highly 
the highest owned tight end. Uh, not counting week 17, like I said, I don't count week 17. We're a lot of shit. Uh, he had 100 plus yards in five out of the last six games. So I think he could be a, a pretty nice play. Um, and that's pretty much it. That was my shortest write-up, just because they don't have a whole lot going on. Uh, the defense-wise could be huge if you think that Big Ben's going to throw some interceptions. But the thing with that yeah. is you have to assume that Bell isn't going to get some touchdowns. They're not going to get enough touchdowns to offset the turnovers and sacks. So if you think they're going to keep uh, Pitt you know, below like 20 points, let's say, um, then go for it. But if you think it's going to be a higher scoring game, uh, this isn't a defense that you really want to target. Yeah, and I, I hate that I'm saying this because, like, uh, one of my biggest fantasy football rules is thou shall never play Alex Smith and thou shall never play any Kansas City receiver. But yeah. for some reason, I, I really, really like Kansas City side of this thing. Smith is only 6,800. I mean, just yeah. start with him in your lineup. And, and the, the things you can do if you have Alex Smith in your lineup. Pittsburgh's pass defense hasn't been good all season, so why should we think they're going to be now? Um, you know, the one thing I will say about Pittsburgh is is that they played really well last week, and like we've mentioned on the show the last three or four weeks, they've really been dialing up the blitz <laughs> big time. So, uh, Gesundheit. Thank you. And uh, so that's something to be aware of, that they're going to come and they're going to come hard. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, they're going to blitz a lot. Uh, they're going to fill the holes, and they're going to they're going <laughs> to. Got any, any other ones? Uh, I think that's it. I think that's enough. This is a PG show. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I, I I'm going to have a Kansas City stack. I, I'm gonna. I'm going to have a, probably a couple variations of them. I like Smith, Macklin. I like Smith, Kelsey. I like Smith, Hill. I like Ware. I really like Ware this week. I think he's really under the radar. I know he's inconsistent, but I just there's just something about this game. I, I like Kansas City. I think it's Andy Reid's time. I really do. Um, hmm. There's just something about it. I, I think. Uh, and, oh, and, speaking of which, he is – Huge coming off bye weeks, and technically, yes, that's you know, a the, really the good wild card. Yeah, the wild yes. card technically bye week for him. Um, Andy Reid is, I think, one of the highest uh, winning percentage uh, coming off bye weeks. So, if you want to take that into account, two. yeah, fifteen and two, fifteen and two in his career uh, after the bye. Yep. So that that's a really good take right there. Uh, Really good take. I like it. All right. Uh, so let's we'll predict this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is this is interesting. Um, I think Kansas City's going to do this thing. I really do. Uh, I think they're going to move on. I, I'm saying 24 to 16, Kansas City. Um, the only reason why I went with Pitt is because you went with Kansas City and I feel like we need a difference at some point and I went with Pitt. I went with Pitt 26 to 23 
Um, I know Ben sucks on the road, but just being a playoff quarterback that he's been throughout his career, um, I think that he knows how to get it done in hostile situations, and I think he gets it done this week. Okay, I, I like it. So we finally have something different. We're not going to tie. We're not going to tie. I mean, hey, uh, tying's okay when we, we got them all right. So uh, this should be interesting. We're on a different side to this one. That's We'll have to see how this yeah. one goes. And it, uh, the weather could play a factor into this, too. That's something that we've got to yeah, take into that's consideration. Why they, they switched the game. I've never seen that. Yeah. They, they switched I, the I, game they, because uh, of weather. I... It's it's football. They were concerned about uh, fans getting to and from the game, um, I guess. So um, this, you know, you got to remember this is down in the Midwestern, uh, you know, part of the United States, and they may not be as prepared as us Northerners are for the snow. So I think that's part of it. I guess. It is interesting, though. So that whole thing, uh, you know, if this is, if this is uh, a game that is going to be really affected by weather, I think we'll see the total slide down. And uh, it could be an interesting – something interesting to, to, to take into consideration for sure. I think, if it's, I think uh, if it's a snow game – Yeah. If it's a snow game, I think uh on Bell becomes like 100% in every lineup. I think if it's a snow game, you gotta you just got to ride that, that pony there. I think if it's shitty weather, snow game, I think Pittsburgh is more prepared just being where they're from than Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, you could be right there. I mean, they've played in it uh, already this season. And so they, they're they more experienced uh, in the playoffs as far as the team goes as well. So yeah, but, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting game. I'm actually looking forward to that one, as weird as that sounds. <laughs> Nobody really likes Kansas City. So it's just, it's yeah, weird. they're just they're just a boring team. They're just a boring team. Yeah. But I'm I think I'm on the Kansas City train this week. So that is our game by game breakdown. And moving on to to the calls of the week. And you are starting to pull away with this thing, my friend. You've got a three to one lead oh, yeah. on me. And last week, uh why don't you tell us what your calls were, uh, to give you that three to one lead. Okay. Uh, my first call was Oakland and Houston doesn't score a touchdown until after halftime. Pretty sure they scored in the first quarter, so I was screwed on that one. Uh, Russell Wilson doesn't have a single turnover. I got that one right. And for those of you that, yes, that, says that, that sounds like a cheap one, uh, he had a turnover in like six straight games. So I think I was okay on that, obviously. We agreed upon it. Um, my third one was Eli Manning throws three touchdowns and three interceptions. Uh, he did get two touchdowns, but he only had one interception. Uh, wasn't really close on that one. And then probably, honestly, my easiest call was Bell and Brown each get two touchdowns. They got it in the first half, each of them. <laughs> they did, yeah. Yeah, so so I got two of them. I got 50%, which is big because, as you said, I'm up three to one. So we've been doing this for half the year, and I've only got three calls right. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, you got yeah, you got two in one week though. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, my calls last week, 
was Lamar Miller rushes for 150 yards, and you think after 31 carries the guy would have gotten there, but no, he didn't. He only had 73 rushing yards. That's um, a terrible yard for carry average. Uh, terrible. Uh, my 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 probably my worst call of the season, uh, <laughs> and one I just really look really dumb on. But I have to say that the news that Carroll was going to feed Rawls the ball over 20 times didn't come out until after the show. Now, had yep. that news broke before the show, I probably wouldn't have said under five points. Um, I might not have still been on him, but I, I wouldn't have been as against him as I was. And I said he was going to score under five FanDuel points. <laughs> uh, I think he had over 30, didn't he? Uh, let me check real quick as you go to your next one if you want to. Um, okay. Uh, my he next one was uh, that the right here. oh you got it you got yeah twenty two yeah twenty two twenty two oh I, okay that's yeah. right that's right that's right twenty two so that was a pretty nice day for him and whoever uh, the owners of Thomas Rawls uh, made some made some money if you had Thomas Rawls and Randall Cobb in the same lineup last week you uh, you won some money yep uh, the Steelers would not make a single extra point in this game. Uh, you know, I was going off of the fact that Tomlin likes to go for two. And I thought that they might actually miss one. And they did miss one. So I, I guess I wasn't too far off. They did miss one, but they had no problem kicking in this game. They made three of them. Uh, I, I really liked that one, was, actually. Yeah, I, I thought I had a chance to get that one. I thought that was a good call. Uh, my oh, last one was that, about that. Yeah, okay. We'll move on. <laughs> uh, this, <laughs> I said that the Giants would blow a fourth-quarter lead. Not quite the way it went. They did blow a lead, but it wasn't in the fourth quarter, so so that didn't work out. So let's move on to this week, and hopefully I can uh, get a couple here and 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 get a point back so I can catch you before the uh, the season's over. So what are your four calls of the week this week, Cole? And, and hey, remember, my... guys, uh, our new format here, before we tell our listeners, we didn't mention this before, our format during the playoffs is we're going to make a call, one call from each game. So what are your four calls from each game? Uh, Julio Jones uh, doesn't get more than 50 yards receiving. And looking at your other, at your first one, they kind of go with each other. So we could both yes, be right on that. Uh, um, my second one is Michael Floyd catches two touchdowns. Um, number three isn't, you can tell me if you want me to change this one. I can say, like, by a number. Uh, but Alex Smith has a better passer rating than Big Ben. Are you okay with that one, or do you want me to say, like, specifically, like, by how much? Hmm. Um, but, but my thing is, uh, I, I think, think that's, a, a, I think that's a pretty bold call. Okay, but I still have I, Pittsburgh winning. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I, I think uh, I think it's it's – you know, just uh, by the sheer reputation of the two quarterbacks, it's a pretty bold call. So I'll let you have it. Okay. And then a funny one, I think I, <laughs> I was thinking about switching it uh, just to do some uh, Godfrey's Hail Mary one, but I'll keep it with what I have now is that Des Bryant drops three touchdowns. Three? And three. Like he has opportunities to catch him. And I don't know what constitutes necessarily as like NFL stats as far as drops. Like, do they have to necessarily like be in the hands? Um, but I'm saying like he's going to have like three opportunities to catch a touchdown and it just goes through his hand, like at least in some way. 
Okay. All right. I got you. Like that's, like that's Odell last week. Old call. Uh, where he had that one on the in the corner of the end zone, and it just like went through his hands. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Odell, uh, uh, I, I tweeted out on Twitter. Some of the followers probably thought, but uh, you know, he punched the wall in the hallway yeah. of Lambeau Field. That that has to be. There's got to be some sort of rep, uh, curse on that. Like he's going to be cursed from the ghost of Lambeau. Ooh. Yeah. Like, could you see I that? Like as, that. Like, that's going to be a narrative. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a narrative. Like from here on out, anytime he plays at Lambeau, the ghosts are going to haunt he's him. Going to have a terrible game. I like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So those are your four calls. Uh, my first call in that Atlanta. Um, Seattle game is that Taylor Gabriel will score the most points of any Atlanta wide receiver um, over Julio and Sanu. Uh, my second call is that Houston will keep this game closer than people think and will be within 10 points until the third quarter. So are you saying and until half, like after halftime or is it like at some point in the third quarter? Yeah. See, I kind of, I kind of left it uh, a little uh, I, I didn't really fill in the lines there. I kind of left it in a little gray area. But what I'm saying is, is that at at some point before the third quarter is over, Houston will be within ten points. Okay, you, you got what I'm saying. So, so it, yep. if if the if it's it could be at the start of the third quarter, but it could be at the end of the third quarter. At some point, basically. Yep. Okay. And then num- number three is that uh, Pittsburgh-Kansas City game. Um, ben will be forced to leave the game due to injury, leaving Landry Jones to finish the game in a Pittsburgh loss. That is very specific. I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I'm, please, uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, hoping that anyone gets hurt. But this is just uh, something like we mentioned with, the, with that, the fact that his ankle is already hurt. He's in a walking boot. Yeah, and just uh, his something that's likely. Yeah, like yeah. I, I just think so, his reputation, like he's a bigger guy who, who kind of sticks in the pocket, obviously, as we know, uh, and just leaves himself open to a lot of hits. So, I mean, he's—I don't think he's had a healthy season in years. So, no, I mean, I, I, I don't—I don't think it's saying that you're thinking. Like, obviously, no one wants anybody to get hurt. So, I don't—I don't think you go in that route. I just think you kind of just following a tendency. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, that's like I said, that's going to be an interesting game to watch. And then uh, the last, the last game, the Packers Cowboys, uh, I think the Packers are going to hold Zeke under a hundred yards rushing. I think they're going to go seven guys in the box, eight guys in the box and make, make the rookie quarterback beat him. Uh, not, not allow that offensive line and, and Ezekiel Elliott to beat him. So, um, and that's kind of the narrative that uh, the three of us have been have been kind of saying this this entire this entire show that if Green Bay is going to win this game they're going to have to they're going to have to control uh, that Cowboys running game so keep it in check. So those are our four calls, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how those play out. So moving into the coach's corner this week, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit of. NFL head coaching hiring uh, and changes. There's been a lot, but uh, the two I want to highlight are the fact that Buffalo has hired Sean McDermott as their new head coach after firing Rex Ryan. And we touched on that and the fact that uh, 
that uh, you and Rex Ryan have something in common. You both like feet. I mean, I don't really like feet. Well, you said you did. You said you did on the show. Well, yeah, I was just saying, I was making a joke. I was making a joke at Rex Ryan. Don't don't make it weird. You and Rex Ryan Ryan (laughs) like feet. And and so they've replaced Rex Ryan with Sean McDermott, and the Broncos have hired Vance Joseph as their new head coach after Gary Kubiak stepped down. And this makes those two the third and fourth youngest NFL head coaches, only behind Ben McAdoo, which, looking at him, he doesn't really look like he's a young guy, does he? No, I thought he was like some 50-year-old pervert with that mustache. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was interesting. And then, uh, of course, Adam Gates of Miami is the youngest head coach in the league. And uh, no, speaking of uh, Joseph, he inter- the The Rams new no? coach. Yeah, Sean McVay. He's 30. Oh, wow, you're right. That new hire the Rams just had. You are yeah, right. Yeah, he graduated right now, Adam in Gates. 2004. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yep. You're right. So he's actually the first now uh, pushing Adam Gates to two. So uh, wow. Wow. That's 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 kind of cool. You know, I, I as a as a young coach myself, uh, I think that you know you're used to seeing the uh, the old time guy who's paid his dues and and gone through the ringer and 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 fought his way to become a head coach and especially in this day and age I think with the technology gap that there is and just lifestyle and different things I think it it helps I know it helps me as a coach to be able to connect and relate to to the players and obviously at some point every coach will continue to grow old and won't be able to do that but I think it is nice to have at least one young guy on a staff that uh you know, that can do that. So it's interesting to see that uh, younger guys are getting jobs in the NFL. Speaking of which. But uh, speaking, yeah, speaking of which, go ahead. Uh, so the Rams hired the youngest head coach, and they have the youngest team, and then they hired uh, Wade Phillips, who's one of the oldest coaches in the NFL as a defensive coordinator. Interesting, yeah, I saw that. So it'll be interesting to see how those two uh, kind of mesh and kind of uh, click because – there's obviously uh, going to be, you know, like we mentioned with player coaches normally uh, between a head coach and a defensive coordinator, that'll be interesting to see a guy like Wade Phillips, who was a head coach himself, um, how he's able to coexist with the young guy. That's, that's interesting. He does have a pretty good uh, Twitter game, Wade Phillips does, for being such an old guy. He's pretty good on Twitter. So Really? He's worth a follow, huh? Yeah. I mean, I don't follow him but I've seen stuff. <laughs> I'll have to check out Wade out on Twitter. Yeah. On the, on the tweeter. <laughs> so uh, getting back to Vance Joseph, the new Broncos head coach, he, he interviewed for the job back in 2015, and he probably would have gotten the job if Kubiak hadn't become available. And even though Joseph was a defensive coordinator for our, uh, Miami this season, he actually came up as a player on the offensive side of the ball. He played quarterback and running back in college for the University of Colorado. Hmm. Uh, interesting enough, uh, when he had a short stint in the NFL with the New York Jets, I believe he was an undrafted rookie, and I'm not sure uh, how long the stint was in the NFL. It wasn't long. But he actually played as a cornerback. So, and that began his, his uh, defensive side 
uh, uh, tendency, uh, if you want to call it. Um, and all of his coaching positions since then, uh, since he became a grad assistant for Colorado, were on the defensive side of the ball. So he is considered a defensive guy. And I've noticed, you know, across social media and 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 uh, on the radio and different things that Broncos fans have been quick to question this hire for the team. You know, I've seen comments like, uh, why would we hire a guy defense was a defensive coordinator for a team that ranked near the bottom in almost all the categories. And, you know, when that sounds like, you know, that makes sense and, and it's an interesting, interesting hire. Uh, you know, the fact is, is that this kind of reminds me of a hire that the Green Bay Packers made back in 2006. And that guy's name was Mike McCarthy. Uh, he was hired after he was the offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. And that team went four and 12 and was statistically the worst team in the NFL that year. So you can say now that that was probably one of the greatest head coaching hires of all time, because he was a guy that again, fans were, were saying, why would you hire a guy that doesn't have the track record and ha- and led an offense that was one of the worst in the league and worst in the NFL. So I kind of make that comparison. And that's why I got to say to Broncos fans, settle down, see how things play out. And you never know how it could, could end up. It could end up being one of the greatest hires of all time. And I think John Elway, uh, due to the fact that this is Vance Joseph's first coaching gig, I think John Elway is going to be more involved. And I think that's part of this hire. Uh, but I think Buckles fans, you need to just see how things play out and, and, and kind of, and kind of, you know, just ride it, ride the wave. Your team uh, is obviously in a win now mode. They want a championship and, you never know. Tony Romo could come into the picture uh, in the off season. So that's been the coach's corner for this week. Uh, Cole, you like to close the show out every week with a little words of wisdom. So what do you got for us today? Uh, today I have in celebration of, uh, of today, Friday the 13th and um, in a full moon. I don't know how often that's happened before. Hmm. Uh, I actually don't have like a ton of stuff prepared for this. I just like wanted to talk about it really. Just I think it's just a weird date. Like how um, I'm actually reading about as you were talking, I wasn't paying attention to anything you were saying. I was reading uh, about it and (laughs) (laughs) uh, it's estimated that 17 to 21 million people in the U S are affected by a fear of this day. Really? That, up to 21 million people in the United States are scared of a date, of Friday the 13th. It's been estimated that 800 to 900 million is lost in business on this day. That's crazy. That's, that is crazy to me. That's insane. Um, it was originated. I... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, uh, it's not really something that I was ever afraid of. And, and I, I think you're going to get into the backstory of it, but uh, Friday the 13th and the number 13 is always something I thought was kind of cool. Uh, uh, without getting too personal, uh, my dad's favorite number was 13 and is 13. And uh, we used to do some racing uh uh, snowmobile drag racing actually 
and uh, the, our number was always 13. So it was always a, a lucky number for me. And uh, I wore 13 in basketball a few times and back in the day. And so 13 never affected me. So it's, it's just crazy to me that a number um, can affect so many people. Yeah, I've, I've always been a big fan of the number 13. I just think it looks good in our jersey. Yeah. Um, and here are some – I'll talk about their origin real quick. Um, and I'm, I'm going to try to pronounce this word. I wish you guys could see this. Uh, if you want to look it up, the, the fear of the number 13 has been given a scientific name, it says. It's called Triskaidelcaphobia. <laughs> so – uh, and then there's a uh, fear of the Friday the 13th. Who? Paraskividecaptriophobia. Uh, and as somebody in the medical field, I, I look at big words a lot. I'm not smart. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I've seen a lot of big words, and I have no idea how to pronounce those ones. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I pulled them up, and those are those, those need to be – oh, here we go. Here we go. So the first one is pronounced triskaidekaphobia. Huh. Uh, and then that, that last one that you just said is pronounced, uh, okay, never mind, I don't have that one. But triska, so the fear of the number 13 is triskaidekaphobia. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so the superstition. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, it says that it, it may have arisen in the Middle Ages, according, and this is, I don't want to get biblical or anything, but it just it started uh, with uh, Jesus' Last Supper and how there were 13 people in that room and everything. Um, and it was around uh, what's now called Good Friday. Uh, let's see. Um, Hispanic and Greek culture, it's kind of something different. Uh, Greeks consider... Uh, Tuesday, and especially uh, a thirteenth the a 13th date uh, that falls on a Tuesday as unlucky. So it's not Friday, it's a Tuesday. Um, so that's kind of weird. Interesting. Uh, ooh, this makes sense. Uh, this was like celebrity deaths that have been happening. Uh, they always say like celebrity deaths happen in threes. Uh, the Greek uh, name of the day of uh, Friday the 13th is I oh know I think there's this Tuesday as well, but it's uh, Triti, which is meaning the third day of the week, uh, and adding weight to uh, the superstition since bad luck and I'm putting this quotation in uh, quotation it comes in threes. There's a lot of superstitions with this day. It's just weird. Uh, in Italy, it's Friday the 17th. That's their bad day of luck. So we all have just unlucky days in every culture. It's kind of weird. Have you ever um, broken a mirror? I was, I was about to get into that. Here are some no, things okay. that uh, apparently on Friday the 13th, if something happens on this day, then, then something bad will happen. If you cut your hair on Friday the 13th, someone in your family will die. That's pretty extreme. Uh, if a funeral <laughs> procession passes you on Friday the 13th, you'll die the next day. So if you ever just really depressed just drive by a funeral procession um do, do not start a trip on friday or you will encounter 
misfortune on Friday the 13th, not just on a Friday, that'd be a lot of bad shit. Um, if you break a mirror on Friday the 13th, you have seven years of bad luck. Uh, a child born on Friday the 13th will be unlucky for life, so that kid's screwed. Thanks a lot, Mom and Dad. Uh, <laughs> ships that set sail <laughs> on Friday, on a Friday the 13th, will have bad luck. Uh, if you walk under a ladder, or if you see a black... The ladder thing is all the time. I don't, I don't think that's just a Friday the 13th thing. But if you see yeah. a black cat, or a black cat crosses you on the Friday the 13th, uh, you will have bad luck. My my thought process on this, if you see a black cat on Friday the 13th, run up to it, kick it as hard as you can, uh, go find some mirrors, break the shit out of those things, and then get on a boat and get out of there. And I think you'll be fine. I think all of the, like, if you mix all the bad luck together, they kind of offset each other, so you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, Are you, you know, superstitious I'm not... with anything? <laughs> I say what? Are you superstitious with anything? I was just going to say, uh, uh, I, I had uh, a few like sports superstitions and yeah. uh, I was, I, I was a goalie uh, back in the day. I, I was a jack of all trades and I, I was a goalie oh, yeah. uh, growing up and I had to, uh, I had a routine uh, before, before every uh, game uh, that I had, I had to, uh, put my equipment on in the same order so uh, if i if i didn't have it on the same order yeah go ahead i'm the same way i'm the same way with that like as far i don't think they're for me because i'm not big on fate or karma or any of that stuff uh not not to get too personal with any of that like stuff that people might believe in uh if you want to believe in that's cool i'm not gonna hate you for that that's your own thoughts and everything but I don't consider that stuff superstition because I, uh, for games, playing sports and everything, like I put on stuff a certain way. I have to have like certain, um, like I have certain socks for certain games and stuff like that. And like growing up, uh, but I don't necessarily felt like those were superstitions for me. I just felt comfortable and that was my routine and everything. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, uh, playing football uh, in high school, I had I had practice cleats, I had game cleats. I don't know if that's really yeah. a superstition, um, you know. So I think I think a lot of uh, athletes have stuff like that that they do. Baseball. I played with guy. Baseball is huge into that. You know, the whole Wade Boggs uh, ate chicken before every game. Um, you could probably search the internet and find a bunch of different baseball players that have superstitions like that. I played with yeah. guys who wrote wrote messages uh, on tape um, or wrote messages on their shoes, uh, eye black, that whole, that whole thing. So, yeah, I think uh, superstitions are alive and well in sports. I think that's what, that's part of what makes sports great. You know, the curse of the Bambino, uh, uh, the black Sox scandal, stuff like that in baseball, um, you know, and, and like kind of we mentioned earlier, is there a curse with Odell Beckham now for punching, punching the wall <laughs> of the field? Probably the most historic uh, outside of Yankee Stadium and Fenway and Wrigley, and those are all three baseball uh, parks because of the the history there. I think for sure in football that Lambeau Field is the most historical uh, and and uh, revered uh, stadium that there is. Oh yeah, 
So yeah. there's got to there's got to be some sort of consequence there for him. Um, uh, before we we move on and, and check out of here, I wanted to get your take on the Odell Beckham New York Giants uh, boat scandal. What do you, what do you think oh, about that? Okay. Um, my thought on that is that we know about it because of the day and age that we are in with everyone posting everything uh, and everyone's information is out there all the time, basically. Um, and just hearing from former players and just even before that, before I even heard anything on uh, from former players and stuff, like I don't think it's a big deal at all. It's your day off. And just because you posted a picture, but that's the only reason why I know about it. Um, right. But former players, a lot of former players that I've, I've seen on TV and just uh, social media and stuff, like they used to do stuff like that all the time. It's just that nobody knew about it because there was no way for them to get that information out there, really. Um, not that I'm a fan of Teddy Bruschi or that whole Patriots organization, um, but he was on, you know, whatever show he was on, uh, talking about the stuff that uh, him and Mike Vrabel one of the other linebackers, um, uh, Belichick was, they were, they had their day off or whatever. And Belichick was, they were going down to, I think they were going to California, uh, for two straight games or something like that. And he told them that this is a business trip. You know, you're not bringing your golf clubs. You're, uh, you're not doing this, this, and this, you know, we're focused on football and him and Mike Vrabel were like, well, coach didn't say we can rent golf clubs and they wouldn't play golf still. So it's not like you wouldn't think that, you know, Patriots that out of all the organizations, they're the best ones, they're the most well-behaved and blah, 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 blah. I mean, they still do stuff like that. Just because they went on a boat in Miami, and they're still on the East Coast. It's not like they were going anywhere. Like, I don't know. I just I don't see a big deal about it. Um, and I'm glad that they had a bad game because of, you know, I'm a Packer fan, so I'm not upset about it. But I'm upset that people think that – well, I'm not upset, but just it's annoying that people think that they had a bad game because they were out on a boat. I mean, even Eli Manning said that he wasn't even upset. The thing that he was upset about was that they were wearing jeans in Miami. And that was only – like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see the big right. deal about it. You know uh... – I'll kind of throw my two cents in here on this before we check out of here for the night, but for the week, um, you know, like you said, uh, if here's what I don't understand why, and that's the generation we've kind of mentioned as a technology, but why did they post it? I mean, if they, if they hadn't posted it on social media, nobody would have known and there would have never been anything, uh, you know, brought up about it. It became such a story. And, um, you know, you kind of just said, you don't think it had anything to do with them losing the game, but here's where I kind of think it did because if you remember uh, to start the game, um, a few uh, sports sites had posted some pictures of the New York giants and the the members of the team that were on the boat were all out on the field prior to the game with nothing but shorts on. They had no shirts on um, and, and nothing else but cleats and shorts. And they were out there proving their point that they were ready to play and that their boat trip in Miami wasn't on their mind and that, and that they were um, not going to be affected by the cold and they were ready to play. That tells me, um, you know, that that was actually in their heads. 
that they were thinking about that enough to prove the point that that wasn't going to affect them in the game when in fact it really was because they were proving that point that they needed to be out there without shirts on. So you, know, uh, you could say that it, it actually did affect the game a little bit. And, you know, we saw, you know, uh, Odell's performance. I, I don't think it's because he was on the boat, obviously, but I think that it might've been in their heads. And after he dropped the first one, and then after he dropped the second one, you know, there's, there's, there's something to be said about that, the whole uh, momentum and different things like that. So, you know, my thing with the, I encourage, with the, uh, no, you go ahead and touch on that and then we'll, we'll close her out. Okay. Um, my thing with the whole shirtless thing, I saw a few players, not, not just in that game, but other games, um, I'm blanking on a lot of their names, but there was a few guys that's Ryan Shazier. I know that one for a fact. He was shirtless. Yep. Uh, a lot of players yep. were shirtless in the warmups and just seeing the giant wide receiver core. Uh, I, I touched on it. I, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but I'm a big fan of Odell's dancing. I, I think he's great. Um, but him and his, his buddies in the wide receiver core, they're out there dancing a lot uh, in pregame. And I just think that that was just, I mean, I don't know how early they get out there normally, but I don't think that was really a thing uh, to me. To me, it wasn't. But I do yeah, agree I mean, it, with you with, with the drops kind of adding up. I think it got in his head. And then, because, you, you know, obviously people were talking about it. So as soon as you have your first, second drop, I think it kind of creeps in your head that, like, oh, great, now that, that's all they're going to talk about was that stupid boat trip. And I think that's how it kind of crept in. I don't think it was a pregame thing or anything leading up to it. I just think it kind of accumulated during the game, just how the performance is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm with you. And, you know, um, if, if, if you're naive enough to think that they're the only players that, that do stuff like that in their day off, uh, I yeah. encourage you to, to look up uh, type in Google or just look up uh, Dallas Cowboys White House and uh, uh, check out what, what, what was going on uh, back in those days uh, with NFL players. So uh, I'll, leave, I'll leave the listeners with that. Dallas Cowboys White House, check, check that out. And before we get out of here, uh, I'd like to remind everyone that we're live on Blog Talk Radio. We're on demand on iTunes. And tune in for those of you who have Android devices uh, that are not uh, Apple users. Check us out on there. Subscribe, download, listen to us. We'll be uh, on demand immediately following the show on iTunes. Tune in takes a little bit longer, but we will be on there as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Coach and Cole. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach 37 You can follow Cole at that King Cole. 715 don't forget the 715 there's another hokey out there with that king cole but that's not the real he has one tweet yeah he only has one tweet he hasn't tweeted since 2011 (sighs) uh yeah make sure you get the 715 in there because you'll be following the wrong guy we're also on facebook www.facebook.com slash the coach and cole show you can find us on there or just go ahead and do the search bar type in coach and cole show it'll pop right up give us a like on there uh, we tweet uh, lineups and recaps and graphics and, and different things that uh, are cool to check out and uh, 
we're, we'll tweet uh, uh, NFL, NBA, different news. Uh, we're definitely worth a follow. Uh, give us a follow on there. I'm sure if you're listening you're, and you're on Twitter, you're already doing that, but we thank you for that. Um, again, if you're a FanDuel player, www.fanduel.com slash Coach and Cole and hop in our listeners-only contest. Uh, it's only going to be the first 20 that enter in, so uh, make sure you get in there quick before it's too late. And again, if you're listening to the show and you're not a FanDuel member and you've never played it before, go to our Twitter or Facebook page, find uh, our link that will take you to the FanDuel homepage. And if you use that link, FanDuel, uh, our newest partner, will kick us back a couple extra bucks to help support the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Have a lucky Friday the 13th. And, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend. you know, uh, probably more than normal because uh, I will be getting on a plane in the morning and uh, going out to Viva Las Vegas. And if uh, any of you have have any uh, advice on good spots to check out, uh, we're going to be on Fremont Street and on the Strip, of course. And uh, if you got any 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 good spots that I should check out, tweet me at Coach O three seven. And uh, maybe uh, I'll check out and, and, and some stuff. I've been there before, but uh, it's always interesting to check out some new spots down there. So, Viva Las Vegas, baby. Yep. That, that, that's that's going to be me. That's going to be me. What is that? On the slot machine. That's a slot machine. It just sounds like you're, like, moving some stuff around on your desk or something. Oh, okay. That's an old-school slot machine. Probably not a very good uh, audio clip. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> all right, everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, enjoy this week's divisional playoff uh, matchups. Playoff uh, matchups. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. <laughs> thanks, Jim Mora. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. (laughs) This has been the Coach and Cole Show. I'm the coach. And I am Cole. Happy Friday, Cole. Go Packers.